Our scripture reading today is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. It can be found in your pew Bibles on page 851. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. sung about um, our faith finding a resting place. We sang about drawing near. Uh, we heard about holding on to God's unchanging hand. How do you like that throwback Sunday? Was that not good? It was great. It was great. It reminds me of uh, something I saw one time, and I'll get to that, but I need to start talking about Charles Haddon Spurgeon. How many of y'all have heard of Charles Spurgeon? Great preacher known as the Prince of Preachers in the 19th century, founded Spurgeon College in 1857. Uh, Spurgeon was kind of a rascal of a guy, incredible preacher, preached to more than 10 million people in his lifetime, which is pretty amazing given that you didn't have television or internet or anything like that, no streaming. He was just incredible and was invited to preach all over the place, would sometimes preach three, four times a day. Um, And uh, he preached on this sermon one time. Uh, uh, when he was at the Metropolitan Tabernacle, uh, where he had been for 38 years. And he got to this passage that Tasha just read, and he wasn't really sure how to approach it. And he was looking for a good title. This is a true story. Looking for a good title. And, and he looked at the latter part of the reading, not verses 19 through 22, but 23 through 25. Put it up there, Stephen. So, and, and notice he said, oh, there's three statements here. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Um, Back then, uh, in the 19th century, oftentimes British preachers wouldn't call their, the different points of their sermons points. They would call them heads. And so you would preach a three-head sermon or a five-head sermon, something like that. Spurgeon said, here's my title. Are you ready? Are you ready? He called it Three Heads of Lettuce. (laughs) Okay. It's about the same response I got in the first service, but I thought it was cute. But I love how it begins. Let us hold tightly without wavering. Talking about hold and being held. It reminds me, if you go into uh, Spurgeon Chapel at Spurgeon College, you see up on the uh, 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 stained glass there the motto of that school, which is uh, et tenio et tenior. That means I hold and I am held. Isn't that cool? I hold and I am held. Say that with me. I hold and I am held. Even as we are holding up the cross, the cross holds us. We can hold up the cross because it holds us. We are being held by Christ. 
And, and, and really, corollary to that, obviously, as through Christ, we can be held by the cross and by each other. And this passage really speaks to that as well. So I want to explore what this passage has to say about holding on to each other and to Christ, even as we are held by Christ. And what I want to do is start with verses 23 through 25, because really 19 through 22 give the background as to why we can do this, why we have the capacity to do this. So let's start with the let us passages. Let's look at verse 23 first of all. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now let's be raw and honest and transparent here. That which we give our lives to as believers, that which we confess and proclaim and share with other people, is invisible. It's invisible to us. It's invisible as far as the past goes, as the present and the future. I mean, we weren't there for the crucifixion. We didn't see the resurrection. Even today, we don't see the Holy Spirit. And later, you know, we haven't been to heaven yet, so we haven't seen it yet. So all that's invisible, but we have been given this incredible grace gift of what I would call the eyes of faith, seeing through the eyes of faith. And we can sense God's presence so palpably, and we experience these realities even now by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I like the way Jesus explained it to Nicodemus in John 3, 8. Remember, he's trying to explain to Nicodemus what it means to be born again, to experience spiritual rebirth. And Nicodemus, if you read it in context, is thinking in very um, concrete and literal terms. I mean, how does somebody go back into the womb and get born again? No, 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 no. And Jesus explains it this way, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can't hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. What he's saying there is, you know, you, you feel the wind blowing, you sense that it's there, you sometimes see it in a sense when you see leaves are moving or whatever, but you don't know where it comes from and you can't see it, but you know it's there. You know it's there, and that's what it means to be of spiritual rebirth and to realize that the power of the Spirit is working through you. And, and again, the power of the Spirit works through you in countless ways. I know I've talked about this before, but I love what Rebecca Yoder said when we were uh, in South Africa last summer, and we were staying there at the team house, which is right on the coast, right at the tip of Africa. And, you know, the winds blow pretty, pretty loudly uh, at night. And she said, well, whenever we hear, you know, the, the windows uh, shaking or the do- glass doors shaking, that's just reminding us that the Holy Spirit is present. And that was just kind of cool. And that kind of really reminded us through the week as we dealt with the really uh, uh, gut-wrenching issues with people who struggle over there. I was always reminded when I got back and I would hear that, I would, you know, the Spirit is with us. He was with us today. He'll be with us tomorrow. By the way, I shared that last time up here, and somebody who goes on the construction mission trip on a regular basis said, yeah, you know, when you climb one of those real high trusses, you feel the Spirit blowing up there too, and you're really glad He's there. But I thought that was great. But indeed, the Spirit is. And the Spirit can do amazing things through us. Again, we don't see it happening all the time. We won't even see the fruit of it until perhaps later. But indeed, no doubt, there is fruit that is being bore because of what we are doing. I love the way Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 2, 9. That is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. We can do amazing things, and He's preparing us to do even greater things. And, and, and it's, there's such a sureness to it as the wind blows again. You, you don't know where it is. You don't see it necessarily, but you know that it's there. And it reminds me of an old hymn. Only a couple people in the first service remember this hymn. It's, it's a real oldie. It's called This One Thing I Know. Does anybody, has anybody heard that, This One Thing I Know? Okay, no? Caleb, you were just scratching your ear, right? Miss Estes, do you remember that hymn? Mary remembers it. Okay, see, 
Well, uh, first service is up two to one. Thank you, Mary. I'm glad, glad you know it. It's a beautiful hymn, and let me just read a few of the lines. There are things I can't believe. There are things I won't receive, for there's no proof there so. Things I cannot understand, things I cannot comprehend, but this one thing I know. I know he opened up my blinded eyes one day. I know his precious blood washed all my sins away. I know his peace, sweet peace, has filled my troubled soul. Yes, this one thing I know. And because of that, we can hold on to the hope that we affirm that that the writer of Hebrews said in verse 23. But as we do that, again, we can hold on to each other as well through Christ. Which brings us to verse 24, which is really talking about holding on to each other and encouraging one another. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Think of ways to motivate each other. Give attention to the other. Even when we gather here, we're here more for each other than for ourselves And as the church, we need not to think so much about seeing through one another, but seeing one another through. Are you with me on that? Sometimes we spend too much judgmental energy trying to see through one another instead of seeing one another through. We are all broken and dysfunctional and messed up. You know that. We need to help see one another through. Rabbi Joseph Telishkin uh, talks about that a lot in a wonderful book called Words That Hurt, Words That Heal. He talks a lot about the impact of words, whether positive or negative, and he has gone all over the U.S., speaking at conferences, and often he asks his audiences, you know, how many of you within a 24-hour span can go without saying any unkind words, whether to somebody's face or behind their back? And there's usually a small number saying, I think I could do that. He said, how many of y'all probably couldn't do that? And a lot of people laugh and raise their hands. And he'd always say this, those who cannot answer yes to my question must recognize that you have a serious problem. If you can't go 24 hours without drinking liquor, you're addicted to alcohol. If you can't go 24 hours without smoking, you're addicted to nicotine. So if you can't go 24 hours without saying unkind words about others, then you've lost control over your tongue. You've got to be an encourager. And you should. You know, encouragement will leave a lasting impression. I, I've got to share this. Just this past week, we celebrated the life of Skip Brown. I, you know, that was... For those of you who don't know, he's, he's a loved member of this church, longtime member of this church, married to Kathy for, I think it was 47 years, and uh, we lost him very suddenly, and it was a wonderful service, funeral service, um, and uh, it was just tough, and, and when I first got the word about it, of course I was shocked, I was reeling and everything, but what was the first image in my mind when I thought about Skip Brown? It was the last conversation he and I had, the last exchange we had, which was when? It was Freedom Sunday when the chaplain of the United States Senate was here, uh, uh, Barry Black. How many of y'all were here for that? Uh, Freedom Sunday, okay, a lot of you. And Barry was amazing, wasn't he? An amazing speaker. Well, after the service, we walk out uh, this way toward uh, where the, the preschool parade is and everything, and Skip stops him and asks him a question or two, and I'm standing there with him. And then Skip intentionally kind of took him by the arm and pulled me in, and said something along the lines of, I really liked what you said in this sermon about this. Do you remember when you said that? I just thought that was great. And what was cool was, I could tell he was pulling me in so Barry could hear it too. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like saying, hey, you know, he's not too bad either, you know? That meant so much to me. I'll never forget. But the cool thing was, after he walked off, Barry caught my eye. And those of you, do you remember his voice? Barry caught my eye, and, and he looked at me and just went, hmm. Like, hey, that was good. Nice to hear from somebody. I'll always, I'll always value that, hmm, 
from the chaplain of the Senate, but much, much more. I will always cherish Skip Brown saying those kind words to me. And the thing is, when I think of him, that's what I think of now. He left a lasting influence upon me, impression upon me that way. And again, it's the last thing I heard him say. Don't we all want to be remembered that way as an encourager? Somebody who offers kind words. He did that for me and it reminded me of that. Again, don't we all want to be, rem- be remembered that way? We hold on to each other by encouraging each other. We also hold on to each other by showing up. Verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, is church attendance important? Yes, and I'm not here to guilt you and everything, but it is important. You know, uh, it was in 2012, I think, that a study showed that at least, at least, probably more now, at least 85% of churches in America are declining. Uh, 15%, and probably less than that now, are gaining any new members, okay? So, Thanks be to God, we're in the smaller 15% or less. That's great. You know, we're not growing by leaps and bounds numbers-wise, but given our particular ethos and character and uniqueness as a church, that, that's, that's right, and that's where we need to be. Uh, but what really worries me, a more recent survey came out that said in the last two years, half of the churches in the United States have not gained even one new member. That's pretty striking. Pretty striking. And we're like some churches, we, we struggle with the fact that our enrollment is up, but our attendance is down a bit at times, you know, and we, we kind of struggle with that with all the other responsibilities, uh, layers of, of tasks that we have, but it's obviously very, very important. Um, I think of the early church leader, Cyprian, who said, no one can have God as his father if he cannot have the church as his mother. Even more so, I like what Dwight L. Moody said. He said, church attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood to a sick Man, we need it for each other to motivate each other, as the writer of Hebrews says. Um, why is attendance declining? I, I, can, I can think of two reasons that you find in the wonderful book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together. How many of y'all have read Life Together? How many of y'all want to read it? Everybody raise your hand. Okay, you're going to read it someday. Wonderful, wonderful book. He says that there are two reasons that people uh, uh, kind of shy away sometimes from gathering together in Christian community. Uh, he says one of them is laziness. The other is, and where's Tracy? I loved your word. You said, I I became kind of disaffected by the church. Uh, Bonhoeffer's word, as it translates from the German, is disillusionment. And yet what Bonhoeffer says is that's that's a good time. Sometimes it's a good time for you to get disaffected or disillusioned. He says to be disillusioned by the church is just what you need because you no longer have this illusory, idealized picture of what the church ought to be. And it, and it causes you not to be able to create the church in the image that you want it to be. Too pristine, too perfect. Instead of a gathering of broken, depraved, dysfunctional souls. I think he's got a great, great point with that. And the thing is, you know, God decided to come to us that way in history through flesh and blood, through his son, Jesus Christ. He condescended to enter into our history and into our world, and to do it that way. So when we gather together, really, we're gathering together as the incarnation of Christ's body in a way. You know, the work of the church really is the work of his body and his bride. But too many people want to spiritualize that and say, well, I can follow Jesus, but I don't have to commit to the church. You know what that's like? That's like a guy who's engaged, you know, and he goes to his fiance and he says, you know what, I love you, but let's keep this on a spiritual level. Let's not really commit to each other. You know, why mess this up with a wedding and vows 
and promises and moving in together and balancing a checkbook and raising kids and having to be so vulnerable to each other, uh, you know. And so let's just keep it on a spiritual level. I don't think she would last uh, very long in that relationship. I think she'd leave, and justifiably so. Or, or, or what, what if God were to say, um, I'm going to diffuse uh, the reality of my love for everyone by um, sending snowflakes that, that uh, say I love you when they touch the ground or when the ocean waves uh, crash, you know, they whisper, I love you, or let's ride it in the sunset. No, he decided to do it concretely and tangibly through sending his son to this place to die for us. What difference would it have made if he'd have whispered it to us in some way? He showed it to us. You know, the cross isn't just a discipline, you know, it was something that was done. You know, it's not just a doctrine. It was something that was done for you and me. And that's the way God chose to do it, to really cleanse us of our sins. And as the body of Christ, we gather to glorify him. I do need to mention, last week I so appreciated what Keith said about, you know, have you come here to be blessed or to be a blessing? And I appreciated that. And Caleb backed it up in a prayer that he did, I think. But again, do you come here to get something out of it? Is that the primary motivation? Because my hope is that we gather here to give something back. You know, we are here to respond to the grace that we have received from Christ. We're not here to wait for some revelation or something to knock us over the head. We're here to give back. You know, if you come here to bless others, don't focus on yourself so much. If you come here to bless others and especially to bless God, guess what? When you leave here, chances are you're going to be what? Fill in the blank. Blessed. You're going to be blessed. So together we hold on to that hope. But let's move on to uh, verses 19 through 22. We can hold on to the cross and hold on to each other because Christ holds us. And he holds on to us because we have access to him. It's funny, the book of Hebrews, it's a lot about having access to Christ. That's really a lot of what it's about. Really, all of the Old Testament is about the ancient Hebrews yearning to have more access to God. You remember, you remember back with the tabernacle and everything, only the high priest would go in one day a year on Yom Kippur and go into the place where God was. So only one person on one day in one place could go really be in God's presence. Only one person one day, one place had direct access to God. Some people go to great lengths to have access. Some of you might remember, I think it was in the 1980s, a guy named Michael Fagan uh, shimmied up uh, the drain pipe at uh, Buckingham Palace, uh, pushed in a window. <laughs> And went walking around in Buckingham Palace and eventually found Queen Elizabeth's uh, bedroom door, walked in, sat at the edge of her bed, and when she woke up, there he was. And he talked with her for 11 minutes about his wife and his unemployment, and could she get him a job. And uh, as the British tabloids said, uh, the queen was not amused by this. But, I mean, he made it in somehow. Uh, there's another guy named Robert Lauda. Uh, one year later... Uh, saw the U.S. Marine marching band marching into the east wing of the White House in order to do a concert. He thought, well, I'd like to go in and see what's up. So he just fell in line with the marching band, marched right in, and was in the White House for 15 minutes. Finally, some guy cuffed him and said, how did you get in here? And he said, I, I just followed the band. And he did that. Now, these days, all the more, as you know, with security concerns, it'd be a lot harder to get into the White House or Buckingham Palace. But for ancient Hebrews, one of the things that they dealt with, struggled with, yearned for was... How do I have access to almighty, holy, sovereign Yahweh? But because of Christ's atoning sacrifice, we have full access. You know the story about the curtain being torn in two, as Mark says, after Jesus breathes his last. That's really what verses 21 and 22 talk about. 
And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us go right into the presence of God. It literally says, let us go continually entering boldly. Keep going, whenever, whenever. He is so accessible now. You know, the Hebrews back then were wanting to fall back into being more Jewish, and they wanted to go back to the beautiful building seminars, because Christians back then didn't have buildings, and they wanted to go back to the buildings, but no, they would just meet in small groups wherever. I think that's why small groups are getting popular again, especially with younger generation. It's, you know, I don't need to go to a big mega church. I don't need a big budget. I don't need a big wide screen. I just want to gather with a few people and enter intimately into God's presence. And so we have this great high priest who is this great sacrifice for us. Again, that's what the writer of Hebrews says. Jesus is our high priest who did not offer a sacrifice. He himself was the sacrifice, and it was a, and you read it more than once in Hebrews, a once-for-all event. Once for all event. And because of that, we can go right to God without any deserved condemnation, without any deserved guilt, without any deserved shame, because of what he did for us on the cross. And when we go to him, what's amazing is that he does welcome us with open arms, like a mother with her child. Let's go to Psalm 131 again. I just love this psalm. And let me explain the first slide here. Oh, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too mighty for me. He's saying, Lord, I'm no longer proud. I'm overwhelmed. I realize I'm just a peon compared to you. And at this point, I cannot occupy myself with too many things because I just can't do it. I'm overwhelmed. But it goes on to say what? But I have calmed and quieted my soul as a child rests against his mother, like a child that is quieted is my soul. It's that beautiful image of a child running to his mother and then just being enveloped by his mother. And you and I can experience that now through the love, the bridging love of Christ as we cross that bridge to the loving Father. I think of the prodigal son who comes back and the father doesn't wait for him to come to the porch and beg for mercy. He dashes out and wraps that wayward young man in love and grace. So you can let go of that deserved shame, that deserved guilt, that deserved condemnation. How? Move to the cross that holds you up. Move to the cross that holds you up. It's a long, hard journey, (laughs) this life. So as we hold our faith and hold on to each other, that's what we need to do. Head toward the cross. Now, I'm going to close with reading something that one of our own, Evan Smith, um, I don't want to embarrass him because he's here this morning, uh, but he posted this on Facebook last week, and I thought it was beautiful, and I thought, gosh, this speaks right to what we're talking about, about the cross holding us up, and I warned him that I might use it. So I'm just going to sit here, and I want you to listen to the words. It's beautifully written, Evan, and I just want you to listen to these words uh, about an encounter he had with someone uh, this past week. I wanted to share what happened yesterday in light of the tense, often polarizing content on Facebook recently. Yesterday, I dropped Lauren off at the BJCC, and a gentleman asked me if I wouldn't mind walking with him to the Salvation Army a few blocks away. He was walking with a cane and was struggling mightily from the looks of it. Rusty said he worked at the firehouse shelter driving their vans until recently when he had a stroke and couldn't drive anymore. He still walks back and forth from the firehouse shelter to the Salvation Army or wherever he can find something to do. It was really, really hot yesterday, and I made a comment about how he must really want to work if he's willing to walk several miles a day in it. 
his response was extremely poignant. And I'll try to get it as close to verbatim as possible. He said, you know, it is hard. And when I open the door in the morning and I feel how hot it is, I sometimes want to turn around and go back inside. So what I do is imagine a cross on the horizon, and I just keep walking towards the cross. That gives me strength. I find that if I stay close to the cross, I get little blessings every day, and that makes it a little easier for me. And then Evan closes with this. So yeah, there's a little grace along the journey for you today. Thanks for the shout out. Even if you aren't religious, remember how hard some people have it and how unfair the world is. And then take care of your neighbors. Love them relentlessly and be a part of the small blessings they receive like Rusty was for me. And if you are religious, remember to stay close to the cross. Isn't that beautiful? Just beautiful. Keep walking toward the cross. Stay close to it because it will hold you up as you hold it up and as we hold one another up. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for all the Rusties whom we know who are struggling in whatever way, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We pray that we can help guide them to the cross. Help us to be agents of grace. Help us again to help people through. Not see through them, but see them through. We thank you so much that you saw things through that we might have your grace and forgiveness through your atoning work on the cross. We thank you so much, oh God, that you know, even as we have times where it is hard to practice our faith and stand up for our faith, when it gets to, to those points where we're just exhausted or worn out or confused, we can lean into you and approach you just like a loving mother or a loving father. Lean into you and be loved by you. Greatest of gifts, oh God. Thank you so much. So now as we sing, help us to hold our crosses high for you realizing how your cross has held us all along. We pray these things in your